Is it just my imagination? Hi, I'm Philip Blumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Term Limits Movement for the week of August 19, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. This podcast has been closely following the 2020 presidential election from the very start, looking for an opportunity to inject term limits into the debate. Over the past month, and particularly this last week, we have seen reason to believe the spotlight may soon turn in our direction. U.S. Tournament's Executive Director Nick Tombolidis feels it too. How you doing, Nick? Uh, my lawyer has advised me not to answer that question. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. We'll move on then. Um, Nick, I think that we have a possibility looming here for the tournaments movement that is very exciting. Um, as everyone who listens to this podcast know, we've been watching the presidential campaigns uh, very closely, even though it's very early, looking for signs that maybe our issue can become important. And I really believe it is. We have a gentleman, Tom Steyer, who just entered the race, and it looks like he is going to be in the next debate. And man, he will not stop talking about term limits. The guy has become like a term limits machine as of he late. Has. Uh, he has. He's got multiple commercials about it. Uh, he tweeted about it eight hours ago. He really is on fire uh, for the issue. I just saw one of his more recent commercials. We played one on, on a previous episode, but he came out with another well-produced commercial on the subject of tournaments and a few other uh, related issues. Let's hear that right now. Here's the difference between me and the other candidates. I don't think we can fix our democracy from the inside. I don't believe Washington politicians and big corporations will let that happen. The only way we can make change happen is from the outside. For me, this comes down to whether you trust the politicians or the people. And if you say you trust the people, are you willing to stand up to the insiders and the big corporations and give the people the tools they need to fix our democracy? A national referendum, term limits, eliminating corporate money in politics, making it easy to vote. I trust the people, and as president, I will give you tools we need to fix our democracy. What Steyer is saying is basically, I think, a message that will resonate with a lot of people. Career politicians aren't the solution to our problems. Career politicians are the problem. Um, and, right. and, you know, let's let's not pretend that, uh, you know, Steyer is not a controversial figure. He, he is like the president. He is uh, in some circles. But you can't deny the guy is politically savvy. Um, as part of our work mm -hmm. here, you and I, we sit down with candidates all the time. Candidates for state legislature, candidates for Congress, wherever. And when we have these meetings, normally we have to say, hey, wake up, doofus. This issue is pretty popular. Start talking about it. Sign the pledge. It would really help your campaign. Uh, nod, nod, wink, wink. But we've never had to do that with him. In fact, we've never even met him. It reminds me of Rick Scott, in a way, um, former governor of Florida, now senator. Really smart people who run for office know instinctually that term limits is a white-hot issue. They don't even need to think about it twice. That's right. And one exciting thing about Tom Steyer is, is that he's talking about it and people are going to hear it. One, he's committed to spend $100 million on his campaign of his own money. That's incredible. So that's going to propel the message. 
And another thing is, is that he is on the verge of qualifying for the next Democratic debate. The Democratic National Committee has requirements to be involved in the debate. And in the next one, you have to have over 130,000 individual donors. Well, he's got that. He have to earn more than 2% in three uh, qualifying uh, qualifying uh, polls. It's four. four. Four polls. Oh, it's four. Oh, but he's, but he's got already three. qualified in three. Yeah, right. he's got three. So he's on the edge. And believe me, he's got so much money to spend. you got to believe that he's going to qualify. And, of course, he's got a message that sells. I mean, when he's talking in front of crowds saying this, the crowd's going crazy. We can and we must fix the way the democracy works. That's why I called for term limits in Congress. So our government works for the American people again. Speaking of term limits, I have six words for you. Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Chuck Grassley. I follow predictit.com. It's like a political uh, odds making site. Right. They give Steyer 83% chance of making it on stage at the next debate, which is September 12th in Houston. Um, As you said, he just needs one more poll. He's promised to discuss term limits. It looks like he's going to be getting in. Let's hope so, because there have been debates, two debates so far. Term limits have not come up. This would be a first for the Democratic primary, and it needs to happen. Right. I would like to urge him to talk about this. Um, In fact, we ought to urge all the candidates to talk about it, actually, not just Tom Steyer. We can get the entire U.S. term limits universe involved in this because we can't do it on our own. Um, Mm -hmm. We need a call to action. We need to get the listeners of this podcast, the people on our email list, the people who've signed our petition at termlimits.com to send messages to all of the candidates, Republican and Democrat, encouraging them to talk about term limits and make this a front burner issue. We're going to get the contact information together. We're going to put this on our website. It's going to be one click, boom, easy peasy. You send a message to all the candidates at once. Make them hear our voices. Um, Democrat and Republican. After somebody wins the primary or after somebody becomes president, it's a lot harder to get a hold of them. Everyone is scrambling right now. There's an obvious motive and incentive to actually listen to people. Let's take advantage of that. Let's spread the word. Let's build the movement. Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. We ask state legislator candidates and state legislators to sign a pledge to help us term limit Congress. The pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. Last week, we reported on Mississippi's odd-year elections, but there was one race too close to call. After a recount, pledge signer Dixie Newman won the Senate race for the 50th district by one vote. This week we had 18 new pledge signers, 10 incumbent legislators, and 8 candidates. Please ask your legislators to sign our pledge. Pledges are available at termlimits.com. Now someone that is not listening to the voters on this issue we found out this week is Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard. Um, I was very disappointed to see this. She's interesting in a lot of ways. Um, But she was um, on the stump doing a uh, sort of town hall program, and she was asked this question. Let's hear it. Congresswoman, we have a social media question coming in here from Matt Carrier. He asks, where do you stand on term limits? Term limits is an interesting question. I think it's a problem when you have, uh, you know, people who 
are more interested in making a career out of politics than those who are really interested in coming in and serving. I think this is a debate that the American people need to have, uh, looking through what the consequences of those would be. I have heard from some folks in states who have enacted one or two term limits in their states uh, and seen maybe an unintended negative consequence, whereas the elected official uh, turns through, the turnover is very high. What ends up happening is you have the chiefs of staff or the hired staff, unelected people, who then hold the power and the influence. You have lobbyists then who are coming in and instead of people talking to the elected uh, official, they'll then go to the staff or the bureaucracy and, and uh, you know, wage their influence campaign there, knowing that the elected official is going to come in, maybe just stay for two or four years, and lean heavily on the staff for advice and so on, making it so that the accountability is really not there because they're going to people who are behind the scenes and not accountable to voters. Now that's too bad. It doesn't sound like she's really putting a whole lot of thought into this, and that answer is so generic and typical. A few things really stood out to me there. Um, first, when she said, quote, this is a debate the American people need to have. We've already had it, Tulsi. This is, this, is, this is settled science with the American people. It's polling at 82%. Let me ask you this, Phil. Let's say you're, let's say you're with a group of 10 people. You're deciding mm -hmm. where to go out to eat. Could be friends, family, business, whatever. Eight of the 10 people say, we want Chinese food. Is that a debate? That's not a debate. Hell no. Right. The decision's been made. You go out and you get the Chinese food. In this case, more than eight out of 10 people want term limits for Congress. Only in this bizarro world of politics do we pretend there's a debate because a tiny right. minority of elected officials don't want something to happen. She also said in that clip that she had heard from people in states that have enacted term limits and yada, 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 it's been bad. Who do you think she's heard from? Do you think she went to the Santa Monica Pier with a microphone and asked average Joes and Janes what they think of term limits? Uh, of no. course not. Right. Yeah, if she got that message from, from somewhere, if she actually did, it was from legislators, it was from lobbyists, it was from the machines in the capital cities, it was not from the voters. It is the most frustrating thing in the world to individual lobbyists and reduces their influence, and that's why they're opposed to it, that's why they spend money to oppose tournaments, that's why they're always on the side of weakening and abolishing tournaments when, they, uh, when politicians try to overturn them. There was a funny moment in the clip, which you can watch at termlimits.com, when they cut to the crowd during this answer and nobody in the crowd was amused by her explanation. They all had the here we go again look on their faces, more double speak right. from a politician. It looked like a, a funeral, honestly. Um, but hey, right. term limits still poll at 82%, which is 81 points higher than where Tulsi Gabbard is polling. When legislative term limits come under attack by wannabe career politicians in Michigan, citizens charge to the rescue, led by a 10-foot wooden horse. For pictures, see the Michigan Term Limits Facebook page. Activist Jeff Tillman, father of U.S. Term Limits Field Director Scott Tillman, is the horse's caretaker, and he spoke to us about the latest threat to the citizens' term limits law in Michigan last week. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? It is going wonderful. <laughs> Great. I'm taking a look at what's going on up there in Michigan, and I know that's a state that passed tournaments back in 1992, and um, it was a citizen's initiative. Citizens collected about 400,000 signatures. 
It passed with 59% of the vote. Even though the pro tournaments forces were outspent two to one, and uh, I've seen polling since that tournaments are just as uh, popular as ever in in Michigan. So, what's the threat you're facing, and and who could it possibly be from? Well, we have um, a situation where every once in a while, one of our elected officials feels like they know better than the citizens of Michigan. In this case, it's a big shot, though, right? It's uh, the Senate Majority Leader. Tell us a little bit about Mike Shirky. He is in his last term. He has forgot mm. that the people opened up that seat every six years so that folks like him, as well as others that have an interest in doing what they can for the for the folks in Michigan, um, that seat has opened up because of term limits since the mm. 90s. Or somebody else would have been there for 10, 20, 30 years, and he wouldn't have had a shot at the very job he holds. Yeah, that's really a shame. What's the exact threat? Uh, what's he trying to do? Well, what he's trying to do is, he stated um, up at the Mackinac Center, our retreat up on Mackinac Island, he stated to some folks that he wants to overturn the term limits that we have in Michigan. But what I mean is, is he looking at a uh, referendum? Well, I guess he would have to in order to change the Constitution back, right? Right. He would have to um, get some major funding, and that would no doubt come from lobby groups or special interest, and uh, sure. they would kick dollars in so that they could establish long-term relationships with their buddies. Are they looking to do this in 2020 or 2022? I think it's 2022 that his term comes to an end, so he's waiting until okay. he gets out of office. My question for you now is, uh, Jeff, you're a tournaments activist. I know you've been active in this effort a long time. What the heck are you going to do about it? We are going to um, Don't Touch Our Term Limits Michigan is very much uh, gathering the troops. We are getting the word out. We've taken our cavalry horse out. Folks and voters are very uh, familiar with um, the horse uh, that was used with Paul Revere and and, uh, his ride to notify everybody (laughs) that trouble was coming. And we're going with the same uh, state of mind and gathering folks and we're shouting from a running horse. You're actually talking about a horse here. You're talking about a... You bet we are. Tell me what it is. We're talking about a 10-foot tall horse that is carved out of uh, Michigan pine. And um, on the side of it, we're able to put billboards. And the love of horses is everywhere. I have people flag me over, wave me down, and want to know about it. And, of course, get the picture taken with our Don't Touch Michigan Term Limit sign on the side. And... uh, it ends up being a great way to shout the message out. And um, I can't tell you how many times they've followed me into the rest areas and, and wanted to do the photo op with their kids standing next to a, a sign that they agree with. So that's what we're oh. using. It, it's, it's traveling around the state of Michigan, and, and we tow it with our, our, my van, and, um, okay. and it's a great eye catcher. Well, I know it attracts media because I'm looking at a stack of articles here I took off the Internet. Um, here's an article about the horse in Jackson. Um, here's the horse in Hillsdale and other towns. So uh, clearly it does attract attention. Now, where does it come from? I can't go down to Walmart and buy myself a 10-foot horse. No, it comes out of the, it come uh, from? Pine, Pine Forest of Michigan. We contacted... Um, some folks that we know do uh, lumber harvesting and told them okay. that uh, we're looking to build this 10-foot horse. And uh, and they happen to be Amish folks, and um, they took a huge interest in something that was as natural as uh, Michigan pine and said, we have just a group of trees that is perfect, and uh, 
So they let us uh, pick four logs, which were the base of the horse and uh, the four main points, and then um, we trimmed those down and attached them and kind of framed it out, and then we contacted a local chainsaw artist, and he did this in my um, shop in a, a few months cleaning up sawdust, but watching this guy <laughs> swing from a ladder with one hand and a chainsaw buzzing while he carved um, the horse's features was uh, very oh, nerve-wracking for me, and I'm I'm kind of running underneath him in case he falls, and uh, how am I going to dodge his chainsaw? But he was uh, <laughs> quite he was quite creative, and uh, I almost wish I had five more of them because I know <laughs> that as we build this momentum, that we're going to get more calls to go to more events where um, these politicians that want to change Michigan term limits might be uh, headed, and we'll right. we'll go where folks ask us to go. There was a alleged news article. It's really a bit of a hit piece, really, of a sort of an editorial um, by Stephen Lemangelo of the Orlando Sentinel that ran just this last week, where he got some big shots to complain about term limits. And I know that uh, this made you hot. And of course, as you listeners may know, both uh, Nick and I live in Florida, and so this was brought to our attention. Nick got fired up, steam started coming out of his ears, and you took some kind of action. What was that? Normally, when I put the newspaper down for my dog, I don't discriminate on which side is facing up. But in this case, Uh I made sure. (laughs) I made sure this article was front and center because I wanted Lucy to be able to take her aim. It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, It was a clear opinion editorial piece that was falsely framed as a straight news article. It says, critics ask why Florida's legislature operates the way it does. It has one of the nation's shortest sessions despite being the third largest state and some of the strictest term limits. Ooh. Ooh, spooky. Let's pause right there. Florida is the number one state out of 50 in fiscal health. Thousand people move to Florida every day. And this article Mm -hmm. suggesting somehow term limits are running the state into the ground give me a freaking break (laughs) no that's so true you know florida is relatively speaking of course a very well-run state and i like to say sometimes that every legislature is dysfunctional and it's true and there's all kinds of dysfunction you can find in florida like every other state but some are more dysfunctional than others it's just like every marriage is dysfunctional in the same way but some are definitely a lot better than others Florida does so well in all these rankings of fiscal health and everything else. And how can you use that as a scapegoat for opposing term limits? Well, it doesn't stop them. Moving on. Bob Graham, a Democrat who served as Florida governor from 1979 to 1987, it's before I was even born, called for a full consideration of the legislative structure and process in Florida. Okay, Bob Graham hasn't been relevant in 30 years. Let's see what he thinks. It's not going to change, said Dick Batchelor, a Democratic consultant and former state rep. The people are not going to support additional time in office. You're damn right. Uh, we won't. Oh, hear. my word. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you say Dick Batchelor? Oh, yeah. You know him? Yes. He runs the Dick Batchelor Management Group. He's a, he's a lobbyist. He runs a, a team of lobbyists. He represents the American Hospital Association, Osceola County Government, American Logistics Company, and others. This is, this is what he does for a living. Of course he's against tournaments. He's a he's a lobbyist. And so the truth comes out. <laughs>
Thanks for joining us for the first episode of our second year, episode number 53. Our mission this week is to push presidential candidates to talk about term limits. Do you have a favorite candidate or candidates in the ring? Go to their website, or better yet, call or speak to them in person if you get a chance, and urge them to call for congressional term limits, for the good of the nation, and also for the good of their campaigns. Until next week. Follow us on most social media at U.S. Term Limits.